Hello everyone, welcome back to EpiCentral. I'm your host, Maddie Lewis, infectious disease epidemiologist. And in today's episode, I'm going to talk about recent TikTok drama with a person pretending to be an epidemiologist. And I'm gonna answer questions uh, from TikTok and I'm gonna talk about some epi news. First, I want to say sorry for doing another very last minute unplanned type of episode. I do want to do more deep dive episodes that take like a week's worth of research and Googling and reading um, to, you know, deliver higher quality episodes. And I do want to do more interviews. Like I want to interview a biostatistician and like, uh, you know, people doing other jobs, but um, I just haven't gotten there yet. And my life is a lot less busy now, so I will get there, I promise. Especially in January and February, I anticipate a lot of that coming out. But as much as my personal life has slowed down, my work has really sped up. And this week, I was so, like, maxed out on work. I was working extra and late. And having to, you know, rearrange my hours and then Taylor Swift tickets went on sale and that was cuckoo. So I'm just going to catch you guys up a bit on my life. So this past week has been crazy. Like I said, I did get Taylor Swift tickets. I'm very proud of myself and my friends. So long story short, Taylor Swift is possibly at the height of her career, which I'm sure she expected that to have happened like 10 times already because she's kind of like peaked a thousand times but now I think is her actual peak and I don't mean that in a bad way I just mean that like she's literally breaking records like it feels like every day there's a new article out that's like oh Taylor Swift is the first person to break this record and like whatever and um it's just crazy and her fame and popularity has gotten even bigger with TikTok, which we all know, like, it's a platform that has just absolutely changed the world. Like, the reach that TikTok has is unimaginable, and it's changed the music industry, and it's changed her career even more. So the competition to get these tickets was absolutely out of hand, and the way Ticketmaster handled the situation was not right. Um, Basically, they let anybody try to uh, buy tickets earlier this week and they should have made it so only people with the pre-sale code could have attempted to get on that web page and they could have done that by um, making you enter the pre-sale code first and then that takes you to the next web page where you then enter like the queue and the line and the waiting room and all of that and then you can buy tickets and if that would have happened then it probably wouldn't have crashed But because Ticketmaster allowed anybody to sit in the queue and the line in the waiting room and then you didn't enter your pre-sale code until you were ready to literally buy the tickets. Um, And that's why there was like an extraordinarily high number of people on the website. I don't know what kind of idiots were on there trying to get tickets without a pre-sale code. If you were them, then F you because you're part of the reason the website crashed. Just kidding. It was Ticketmaster's fault. They shouldn't have allowed you guys to do that. But yeah, um, so it was war, but I prepared myself by spending literally hours in the weeks leading up to the sale 
um, doing research and I actually made a PowerPoint. I posted this on TikTok. I made a PowerPoint that ended up being 30 slides long, training myself and my friends on how to get these tickets. And it was just full of all the research that I found and I put it on a PowerPoint presentation. And I can't share it the full thing because it has a lot of personal info on it and like where I live and stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, long story short, it was horrible. But my friends and I using the strategy that um, I outlined and that I learned from other people on the internet, we got tickets. And it was also luck and manifesting and prayer. Okay, moving on from Taylor Swift. So what else is going on? It's almost Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is this upcoming week. I'm going to Kansas City tomorrow. Um, and also I got a raise at work, which is really nice. Um, it, it was, I said this last time, it was nothing that I did myself. Like it was not like a merit based thing. It was, uh, I'm just getting one because everybody else is getting one in my organization. They're restructuring things again and paying us more. And apparently it's because, and I feel comfortable sharing this because you guys don't know where I work, but, um, they wanted to up the competition and stay competitive with other um, pu major public health, uh, like employers. And to do that, they really need to raise our wages because we were, we were lacking. Okay. And I'm really grateful to my supervisor and everybody who made that happen. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. So I was making $62,000. Um, I started at 55, a restructuring happened and then I went up to 62, a good jump. And then now I'm going up to 70 in the next couple of weeks. And I'm very grateful for that. And that's going to make a big difference, actually. I'm going to have several hundred dollars per month more to save and invest. And I'm just going to be a lot more comfortable than I was. Because for a second there, because I moved into my new apartment, my rent now is, well, my rent and utilities now adds up to be about $1,800 a month. It was just kind of a stretch on 62K. Like that was like half my take-home pay was like going to rent and utilities. Okay, and the moment I'm sure a lot of people are waiting for is addressing the drama on TikTok with the person who was allegedly impersonating an epidemiologist. And I'm not going to give the full explanation and I'm not going to talk very extensively about it because for my own safety and well-being... And um, luckily, I was not deeply involved in anything with this person. Um, like, we didn't really have much of a relationship, uh, like, you know, like any sort of online friendship, because I do have online friendships with other epis and other healthcare providers and stuff. I'm sure you guys know that, um, although maybe you don't. But and th this person was on my podcast, uh, unfortunately, and that episode has since been taken down. Uh, I took it down myself, like, as soon as I learned about all of this. And uh, before I took it down, I made sure that I still had the audio saved. And I do have the full unedited audio saved, um, as well as the edited version that was posted. Um, it's still drafted. It's just, like, privated, I guess. And, yeah, so if you want to learn about the story, which literally could be a Netflix documentary at this point, then go follow, um, what, okay, what is her name? So her name's Savannah, we're internet friends, but 
I have to look up her name. So her name is at rx zero r c i s t exorcist. I don't, I don't know r exorcist. I don't. I've never understood her name. I don't. I don't know. I'm probably just dumb. But uh, if you follow her on any platform, then she's been posting extensively about it. Um, and yeah, so if you go on her TikTok, there's actually a playlist. That's probably the easiest way to figure it out or her Twitter thread. And it is absolute insanity, you guys. It is insane. And again, this could be a Netflix documentary. Like, that's how insane it is. It's like Tinder Swindler. Okay, it's not that level, but it's like, it's pretty bad. And what else do I want to say? So... Um, apologies that I ever promoted this person. Thankfully, I didn't do very much promotion of this person. I wasn't necessarily a fan. Like, I wasn't, um, well, I would say I'm a, I was, like, kind of a fan, but I wasn't, like, really. Like, I, I was passively because I would, like, occasionally watch this person's videos, but it was very infrequently, um, and this person posts a lot. I probably only saw, like, 1% to 2% of their videos that they ever posted because they post so much. And um, they're, as of literally a couple minutes ago, their TikTok is finally taken down. Um, I think they finally deleted it. And if you go on Savannah's page, then she stated that this person allegedly has two warrants out for this their arrest. And so, yeah, so th there's a little teaser for you. So apologies that I ever put this person on my podcast and apologies to everybody who got swindled like myself. Thankfully, I never gave money to this person. Um, and what else do I want to say? Yeah. I can't really, I can't really say much. I have, obviously, I could talk extensively about my opinions and thoughts on it, but I just don't think that's wise or safe, so. And I will not be addressing this again on TikTok either. Again, I don't want to get involved simply because I don't think it's necessarily safe or wise. So this is the extent in which I'm comfortable addressing it for my own safety. And yeah, let's move on. So Q&A. <laughs> So I posted a TikTok a couple weeks ago, yeah, and I got a lot of comments on it asking more epi questions, so I'm going to answer some of those. Somebody asked, can you talk about the job market for those who have an MPH? I've heard so many people say it's oversaturated and there's a shortage of jobs depending on location. I've talked about this many times, but I'll talk about it again. So I obviously do not have statistics on public health sector jobs um, across the country. I just don't know how to access those kind of statistics or if they are even out there. I don't know if anybody's really looking at that. But um, overall, it really depends on where you live from my understanding of how easily you can find a job in this field. So in my experience, in my opinion, the best way to guarantee yourself a job in public health is to apply for these jobs in areas with much more opportunities. So places like um, Chicago, Atlanta, Houston, uh, D.C. is a huge one, Boston, New York, uh, L.A. All of these major cities have a much higher proportion of public health jobs available 
and I do live in one of these major public health cities in the U.S., and in my experience, all of my friends and I graduated in May. We all found jobs within the months before or after graduating, like within three months before or after. And we all are still happily employed. A lot of us have even moved jobs. I have not, but a lot of my friends have or are currently moving jobs and are doing just fine. I will say that we all... Um, went to a school that is very highly rated and competitive for public health. And that definitely helps. I don't think the name recognition thing is too important past a certain point. I, I think there are advantages, yes. But I think the main advantage, honestly, is the networking opportunities that you can get and like the connections you can get. And that definitely helps. Um, but yeah, honestly, if you move to a city, if you're able to with higher, like with more opportunities, then it's going to help you a lot. But if you live in like Kansas City or something, you might find it a lot harder. I have heard people on the internet talk about like they have not been able to find a job um, in other cities, but I really haven't heard people complain about that who live in these major cities. It's I think it's usually people who live outside of them typically especially people who are not in epi. So that's the other thing. Like most of my friends and I all are epidemiologists or got our degrees in epi. And that's another thing I've said a few times. In my opinion, I am not a career expert, you guys, but in my opinion, I think getting an, an epi concentration during your MPH is honestly the best one to get besides biostats. Biostats could arguably be better, but and I think it's because, like, out of the other areas, excluding biostatistics, epi is so translatable to, like, any profession. So, like, you can get your degree in epi, but you can still work in global health. But if you work, if you get your degree in global health, then you can't necessarily work in epi. So it kind of is one of those things where, like, you get a degree in it and you can kind of do anything. But if you do something more, if you get a degree in something more specific, like global health, or health education, then you can't necessarily go the other way. So I have friends that got their degree in epi and work in global health. I have friends who got their degree in epi and work in health education. Um, but I don't know anybody who got their degree in health education and now works in epi. So, and I definitely have seen that when it comes to job postings, like to be an epi, you really have to either have the concentration in it or you have to have a lot of classroom experiences in epi. You can't really just like, it, it would be really hard to get a degree in global health and then only go up to epi one, maybe epi two, and then get an epi job. That would be really difficult to do. And most places aren't gonna hire you. And of course, I'm certain it's happened before. I just don't think it's super common. Somebody also asked on TikTok that they, they said they have an epi degree, I guess, um, but somebody was telling them because they're getting their MPH, um, where they're getting their MPH, like which school, that they will have a hard time getting an epi job because it's a lesser known school. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I don't have personal experience with this, and obviously I'm not a job coach, as I keep saying, or you know, a professional job expert person, but I don't think this will be a problem. 
And I think the main advantage of going to a competitive school um, is the networking and the opportunities that you might get presented because you went to that school, but not necessarily because of opportunities are going to just fall into your lap because you have an Ivy League or something attached to your name. Someone asked, are MPH Biostats programs more competitive than MPH Epi? I'm stuck between the two. Um, again, I actually don't know the answer to this, but I'm, I'm guessing that they're around the same. And what I would do if I was in this situation is reach out to the schools that you're interested in and asking them that specific question if they don't already have this addressed on their webpage about like their admission rate or their GPA requirements and things like that for each concentration. Um, also, some schools let you apply to several different um, concentrations and then you can get accepted into one or both of them and then choose before you start. So that would be what I would do. Another thing I'll say about this is my guess is that with Biosats, there's probably less people applying. Somebody else asked, uh, when should I start applying for jobs in my last year of undergrad right now? And the answer to that is you should apply to jobs in March to May of your last, um, so like your last semester of school, really any time, but especially like March, April, May. Um, and if you want to start like right after, but if you want to start a little bit later, you can kind of delay that. Like if you want to take like a month off or something. And then if you are working in certain sectors, like if you want to work in consulting, for example, then you might want to apply a lot earlier. But that for that, you really need to know the specifics. Like if you want to work at a specific consulting place, like you need to connect with that firm and you need to talk to them about the timeline because, yeah, that's just the whole thing. Okay, and then to end off this episode, I just wanted to let everybody know some epidemiology news. And if you haven't heard, RSV is absolutely ravaging this country. So I'm getting this information from the Washington Post because I'm going to talk about things outside of just like RSV rates in general. But uh, RSV is basically a crisis right now in the United States. It stands for uh, respiratory syncytial virus, and it's similar to flu and COVID. It's a respiratory virus, but it mainly affects children amongst any other group, and not necessarily children who even have underlying conditions. Um, it really affects all types of children. And of course, it's particularly harmful for infants as they are naturally vulnerable. And so this article, um, the part of it that I want to talk about is, um, well, hospitals are experiencing staffing shortages. I mean, this has been happening for a while now, even before COVID. Many hospitals have been experiencing nursing and doctors and like staffing shortages. But in this like COVID world, we're seeing it even worse. Some people have left the field of healthcare entirely because the pandemic is just like so bananas and people are just sick of it. Some people retired early um, and decided to move on. I personally know somebody who was a nurse and decided to move into public health um, over the period of 2020, I think, to 2022. And now is my coworker. So and this article says that it's not only physicians and nurses, this also includes techs, respiratory therapists, and other hard-to-fill jobs. 
They also say that more than half a million people in healthcare and social services sur- social services quit their positions in September. That is crazy. And I don't know how true these statistics are, but this uh, article also says a one in five doctors plan on leaving the field within two years. That's a lot. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. I mean, that's 20% of doctors um, that were surveyed. Okay, yeah, that was the American Medical Association. So I'm hoping that's, well, I hope that's not legit, actually, because that would be bad. So in case you haven't seen this on the news or on social media, um, hospitals are overflowing, especially children's hospitals, are uh, near or past capacity for RSV cases. Um, And it's really sad because these are children, these are small children, usually under the age of five or under the age of two years old. And it's really messed up. There is no vaccine for RSV, um, but what you can do to protect yourself, um, the CDC says hand washing, of course. Stay away from people who are sick and coughing. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's just a cold. Don't worry. I can go, you know, I can leave the house, whatever. But in my opinion, in the age of COVID, I don't think that's appropriate anymore. Even if you are testing negative, if you have a cough, you're symptomatic, especially if you have something like a fever or other symptoms outside of just a cough, I don't think it's appropriate to leave the house for several days at the very least, um, unless you have to for something like, you know, there's so many different obligations. I'm not going to judge someone if they have to like pick up their kids from school and stuff, like obviously do that. But um, if you can stay home, do. And keep your children away from people who are coughing, other children included, honestly, especially other children. And um, also avoid close contact with people that could be sick. And again, if you're sick yourself, don't don't leave your house if you have to. Or sorry, don't leave your house unless you have to. Also, I don't think the CDC has this on their, like, you know, how to prevent RSV. But I would actually say getting a flu vaccine is a really good idea right now. Flu vaccines do not prevent RSV. Let me be very clear. There is no vaccine to prevent RSV. However, um, when you get one respiratory virus, it can make you susceptible to others. I'm not saying flu necessarily makes you susceptible to RSV. I actually don't know if that's true. But for example, if you get pneumonia, then it can kind of, um, or here's an example. My mom got COVID last last winter, and then she also got strep throat. And so these things can compound on each other, which makes it even more dangerous for young children who are exposed to so many different viruses and bacteria and are very just very susceptible to these things. So get vaccinated for flu and COVID and try to prevent all diseases. And when you put in the effort to prevent all types of diseases, um, it it's just a good idea. You know, it, it'll help protect you overall. Another way to prevent RSV that a lot of people don't know about is don't kiss babies. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't know that, but don't kiss young babies that are not your own because we have so many germs and viruses that we carry that we don't know about because a lot of times they're not currently making us sick, but we do carry them with us. And when we kiss vulnerable people like babies, then 
it's just like a it's it's a disaster honestly waiting to happen so don't do it and this isn't even me talking this is like most experts in this era will say like don't don't kiss young babies for that reason especially during this type of season but honestly like rsp can peak at other times of year too so i just wouldn't do it at any point and also uh you can kiss them like on their little like for like on their head or something just don't kiss them like on their face from my understanding i don't know actually don't take this as as medical advice this is just like public health education okay not nothing i ever say is is medical advice oh also i almost forgot uh please wear a mask because masks can it's one of those tools that helps prevent all respiratory diseases washing your hands can prevent pretty much any type of disease um, and wearing a mask prevents respiratory diseases from spreading, and it's very important right now as all respiratory viruses become an issue this season, and personally, I like to get KN95s and N95s from a brand called 3M, M as in Mary, and this is just a brand that most hospitals that I know of use uh, their supplies and they're very reputable. I'm not sponsored or anything. You can get their um, get their their masks and stuff from Amazon and their website and whatever. What I would do is I would go to the 3M website, find the product that you want, like the N95, and then when you click on it, it'll have the links to Amazon and all sorts of websites that you can buy off of. And I would just do that. That's what I did because there are like fakes and stuff out there and Amazon is sketchy. So it's just better to go through the actual, uh, the actual company and then go to their real Amazon account instead of people who claim to be that brand. So yeah, I think that's everything that I wanted to talk about. If anybody ever has any doubts about me, about me being a real epidemiologist, lol, I doubt that's going to happen. But in case people want proof, um, I could figure out a way to get that for you. But I don't like to, I would just post it like on the internet just to like have it there. But uh, I don't like posting my personal information. As you guys know, I say my first and last name i'm fine with that i say that i live in the south but beyond that i don't like to talk about my state my city um i don't like to talk about where i specifically work uh yeah or where i went to school even i'll also say i'm from kansas city so i reference that a lot but otherwise <laughs> just because like who's gonna follow me to kansas city <laughs> i'm sorry that's like not gonna happen and i'm also there like very infrequently so yeah and I'm always with my family, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but otherwise, I'm afraid of getting stalked or worse um, because there are creepers on the internet and there are people who have said creepy things to me on the internet. And so, yeah, every time there's some kind of drama or or just like weird thing that happens on the internet, I just like am so glad. It just makes it just reinforces how happy I am that I don't share personal info. I also don't really share my friends on social media. I'll occasionally share some like pictures with them or there's like a few clips of them in my TikTok, but not a lot. Um, and it's very infrequent because yeah, I don't like to show my personal life. I'll talk about it a little bit like hobbies and stuff, but 
yeah, it's just better to keep that stuff private. And with this whole drama going on, it's made me definitely grateful. And lastly, I don't know if anybody's still listening to me at this point because I'm a stage five rambler. Like I, yeah, I need to get better at just talking, but uh, really exciting news. I'm making a job board for for public health, uh, like, you know, people. And it's going to be really good because all the job boards that I've seen on the internet for public health are kind of pathetic. The only good one that I know of is Emory Schools. Emory School of Public Health has a good one. Um, But the jobs on there are mainly for people that are like a few years into their career. I don't see a lot of, uh, what what do they call it, Uh, entry-level jobs, like right after you graduate with your MPH. And then otherwise, the other ones I've seen are just like these weird, sketchy blogs. Like, I don't know. I don't like the websites and the resources out there for people in public health. I just find them outdated and kind of weird and bloggy and and weird. So I'm trying to kind of build that out more. Um, and But I'm not like good with websites. Like, I can't develop one. And I don't really have the funds to... I mean, I could invest into like making that a resource, but I don't know how I could make that money back because I would want to make it free to everyone. Like I wouldn't want to do one of those like courses. You know how influencers are always scamming people by making like courses and stuff? I don't know. I just like would not do that. That's so wrong to me. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm such a rambler, but I'm making a job board. It's an Excel sheet and it's going to have literally all the companies that I can think of and that I could get other people to help me like think of and research and find on the internet that hire for people in public health. Obviously, it's not going to be exhaustive. It never will be, but I'm going to find literally as many as I can in the United States, especially in major cities and um, have, you know, if they are fully remote and if you can filter by fully remote, then you can find jobs that like anybody can apply to or you could filter by state because I'm also going to put the state on there. Um, although a lot of them are multi-state, so then you kind of have to do more digging. But I'm trying to make it as efficient as possible so that you can use that Excel form and kind of filter it for your own um, personal situation. And then the goal is that once you've like put on a few filters then and you figured out what jobs you could be eligible for, then you can just copy and paste the name of those companies like or just click on the link that's on the excel and then see if they have any openings for you at that time and it could just be like an excel sheet that we all kind of like go to for that obviously it'd be nice if this was like a real website but again i don't want to do all that so yeah okay so i've been talking for 40 minutes so i'm gonna get off now but thank you everybody for listening to this episode happy thanksgiving um i will be making better quality better prepared episodes very soon. And yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Everybody have a good week. Bye.